0: Thanks for uh, joining. We're going to uh, pick back up with a topic that we uh, talked about earlier, looking at uh, body image issues, and in particular, looking at what's usually referred to as body image or weight bias. We're hoping to continue the discussion about body positivity and how we might be able to apply body positivity to help meet goals as it relates to health and fitness. When we start looking at weight bias, particularly weight bias as it relates to health issues, it's really a reflection of how healthcare providers and practitioners are going to view patients based off of how they present. That is not how they present their health issues, but how they present their body. Looking at body composition issues and how we might be able to address the biases that Uh, healthcare professionals have as relates to body weight and body composition. What we'll be discussing today is going to be presented in more detail in a forthcoming research article based off of a survey that myself and uh, students conducted looking at how healthcare students and their professors viewed body image as relates to the projection of health and where we might go and seek advice to reach a health based off of how we perceive somebody's health through their body image. Yes, I understand it's a little bit of a circular discussion there. And I'd like to uh, thank Martha for her uh, help with uh, the uh, substance of this discussion. But with all that said, let's go ahead and let's talk about body image and weight bias in healthcare professionals and we mo- what we might be able to do in order to counteract any negative effects of that bias. Warning, the following presentation contains information that mm. might contradict what you have previously heard or believed to be true about how the human body works
1: and contains material that is not suitable for closed-minded individuals. Enjoy.
0: If you think about it, there has been a push over the last half of the century to uh, establish a pro-health attitude across the population within the United States, a push towards pro-health, particularly within health education and education in general, in an effort to help prevent many of the non-communicable diseases that healthcare providers and healthcare professionals must deal with on a daily basis with an increased awareness of tackling issues surrounding myths and misconceptions that many people within the population have towards those individuals that might express a body type with excessive amounts of fat. Not only do we have to worry about those myths and misconceptions, but many students that come into the classroom or are attempting to enter into healthcare professions are going to convey personal opinions and personal biases as relates to their upbringing regarding behaviors that are necessary in order to establish a level of health. That input from students is additive to the stresses that they have to meet in their educational processes and within their educational paths in which faculty members have an extraordinary amount of sway in developing professional attitudes towards individuals based off of how they project their body. There are an exorbitant amount of materials and uh, ancillary teaching techniques that perpetuate an idea that body image might indicate an overall health aspect for the persons, independent of any of the modifiable and non-modifiable factors that we know coincide with each other in order to establish the complex interaction of factors that establishes one's overall health. Where body composition has an impact on that overall health. However, there are factors that come into play that go beyond body composition that lead, to the, that lead to the continuum of fitness and fatness that establishes the likelihood of developing non-communicable or metabolic diseases throughout one's life, where modeling such practices by the faculty lead to the establishment of behaviors by the students and then the subsequent behaviors modeled by the healthcare professionals. We have previously shown that these modeled behaviors start within the elementary and high school education of the students by educators, by teachers, projecting their own personal biases to the students. It's the biases that get projected to the students that establishes their self-selection or avoidance Two distinct behaviors that by themselves don't do harm to the public, but when it gets expounded upon, when it gets sent out as messaging, as modeling, have a potential for drastic effects on the choices that are being made to the modifiable factors that will impact the non-modifiable factors developing one's overall health. It is this projection where body image and weight bias comes into play. And I think it'd be beneficial for us to have a a working definition for weight bias or body image bias as it is classically understood and classically researched. And so when we start talking about uh, body image bias or weight bias, it's an implicit bias that healthcare professionals in particular have towards individuals that have excessive amounts of body fat in which they, they internalize the idea that the individual has excessive body fat due to behavioral selections, there is a noted degree of quote-unquote laziness in the individual, whether that's true or not. That's the bias that they take into it. The other bias that comes into this weight bias and body image bias is that patients that present with excessive amounts of body fat, all health issues that they have is due to that body fat, is due to that excessive amount of weight that they happen to have. We know that that's not true. But the problem is that that bias is going to paint all treatments that that person has based off of the internalized bias that the professional has towards the body fat. This is where the health professional is attempting to identify and discuss what is considered healthy versus what is perceived to be healthy. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge based off of several social factors that come into play. It's a challenge Particularly with the rising influence and popularity of uh, social media and the influencers on social media, as to what healthy looks like, where we tend to conflate healthy with ideal and ideal with healthy. And when we start talking about ideal, what we're really talking about is uh, talking about attractiveness, the uh, the appealing body image. And one of the things that we've noted both in the forthcoming article as well as in the article that's been published is that we tend to consider healthiest towards the thinner representative figure rather than what is actually truly healthiest if we look at the noted percent body fats that are ascribed to having normal inflammation markers, where, particularly for females, there is an indication to wanting to, to select the thinner of the images as being healthy as opposed to what is actually truly healthy. And it's a connection point that we see with what the majority tends to perceive as healthy is based off of what they might see as ideally appealing. Whereas for males, there's a little bit of a disconnect with, with that where the uh, selection tends to be a little bit towards a slightly uh, heavier individual within the images that we pers- that we used within the surveys where the indication for a slightly overweight or overfat image was seen as being healthiest. And this might be uh, due to some, like I said, some of the social factors that come into play as relates to what we would uh, tend to see as healthy versus ideal. And it goes into that preconceived notion about health and ideal that comes into play when we start looking at this uh, body image and weight bias that healthcare professionals are faced with. And some of this gets projected to the students by their faculty members, some of this gets projected to the students by their upbringing, by their social networking, by the social media that they get exposed to. We also have to look at the fact that there might be differences in terms of perceived notion about body image based off of personal experiences that the soon-to-be healthcare professionals or healthcare professionals have, as relates to body image, based off of um, experiencing of a uh, negative body image experience, such as uh, being bullied or receiving demeaning comments about their body image, or where there is this comparison towards perfectionism that's being imposed on them, either through internalized pressures or externalized pressures, pressures from others around them, that leads to the type of language that is used when discussing health issues with the patient. When discussing health issues with the patient that impacts how information is presented, such as by a tone of voice, word choice, or the preference for sources of information that may without any type of intentionality persuade the patient and persuade the audience to accept their personal biases towards weight and towards body image. When we start looking at the individual and describing fit or fat to the individual based solely off of body image, where we are, once again, conflating the idea of body fat as the indication of fitness. And this is where we have a very old metric that is still used that is inappropriately used, uh, referenced as body mass index or BMI, that was never intended to be used as an ideal for fitness, but somehow has been corrupted into an indication of whether or not someone has fitness or someone has health based off of their body mass index. And so body mass index is simply the relationship between body weight and height without taking into account the types of body mass that are there, or the other factors on the fitness continuum that are being used in order to improve one's overall health that lead to uh, a movement in health towards the fit side of health away from the unfit or the fat side of health. And so, when we start talking about fitness and fatness within the continuum, I, I would recommend going back and listening to the to the uh, discussion on fitness and fatness as well as the uh, subsequent papers that I've published. Uh, looking at the continuum of fitness and fatness and how that continuum is what we're actually looking at when we look at these non-communicable diseases. But what we're looking at, we start looking at this body image or this weight bias that comes into play is the fact that we have this aspirational ideal about what somebody's body image should look like as relates to what their health happens to be. And when we start doing this, what we're doing is we're conflating two different ideas. And that conflation leads to a continuation of the misinformation and disinformation that comes into play about health, how to achieve health, and who is best suited to offer advice for achieving health. And this gets into the next aspect as relates to the weight bias and the body image bias that goes beyond just what might be inferred about somebody's health, and that is What type of individual is best to advise on achieving overall health? And where can I go about getting that information? And once again, this is where we have to worry about information that is misinformation and disinformation that gets aggregated and popularized and popularized across media avenues whether it's traditional broadcast media, the internet, or how most people get information nowadays through social media feeds. And so what we start looking at start looking at what is the impact that body image has as to who am I likely to listen to for health advice? And it goes into that body image bias that patients might have in projection to their physician or their healthcare provider or that healthcare providers might internalize based off of their own personal experiences
1: as relates to negative issues surrounding their body image. And this is where we have to look at what is the
0: effects that we have in terms of who has the ability to project expertise. While we do know that there are several detrimental effects that come about through comparisons to images that we see online as relates to healthy and ideal body images, and the growing awareness that medical professionals have, healthcare professionals have, health science students, and faculty members that are teaching them have as relates to these uh, projected images, it's that projection of ideal fit, ideal healthy. And how can I go about incorporating diet and exercise and other type of pro-health lifestyles into my own lifestyle that comes into play? It's the whether or not that opinion is going to align with what we see projected in broadcast media platforms, once again, whether it's traditional broadcast, internet, or social media feeds for who is holding themselves up to the standard of being fit and healthy, and who is advertising themselves as having the expertise to alter habits within the general public. And this is where if you just simply do a a quick internet search in terms of best to do this, best to do that, as we've noted in many discussions previously and in many publications previously, you get inundated with a, a plethora of ideas. And a plethora of projections. The problem is that a lot of the projections of expertise may not come with appropriate academic or clinical understanding of the complexity of the physiology of the body or the physiological complexity of health and how uh, body composition is established and altered, and how the complexity of interactions between a whole bunch of factors come into play in terms of establishing overall health. And this is where that weight bias can impact what I'm willing to listen to. Because if I'm simply listening to individuals who project what I see as the ideal body image, I'm going to have or I'm going to allow that opinion to become exaggerated. And that exaggerated opinion Is going to have undue influence on me. It's also going to have undue influence on the population as a
1: whole. And as those opinions become exaggerated, as those opinions become reverberated, based almost solely on praise and compliments that
0: are seen within the social media postings, within the uh, logical fallacy of the anecdotal or the anecdotal stories. The the
1: antidotes, the the uh, cherry-picked evidence, the confirmation bias. What we do is we put those who we see as being fit or see as being healthy as having the expertise. And what we can
0: then do is that we can then have that misconnection, the connection, the the faulty connection in between body image
1: that we see as being ideally healthy versus body image that is healthy and ignore the
0: academic and clinical training of the individuals who are attempting to teach the populace, who are attempting to to teach the future healthcare professionals, who are trying to to, uh, teach everybody the ins and outs of how to go about being healthy, how to go about changing behaviors to modify the modifiable factors that will impact the non-modifiable, non-modifiable factors that coalesce within that complex organization
1: of interweaving factors that ultimately lead to my overall health. We allow for the misinformation and disinformation to get perpetuated where we
0: undertake and promote habits that are espoused by the individuals that we hope to emulate through their body image, where we hope to have a body image that matches that body image, where we're uh, hoping to uh, receive similar attention for getting the body image change to match the body image that we
1: uh, are mirroring. In our social media feed, we generate a rippling effect between pressures
0: where we end up adding to existing social pressures and uh, population norms that do not necessarily allow for the potential healthy body image to
1: receive the attention that it should receive or uh, impact the potential. Uh, use of behaviors
0: that are pro-health behaviors that lead to the correct psychological appeasement towards health that leads to normal body image issues or body image acceptance for the individuals.
1: And when we disproportionately listen to individuals who do not have the expertise simply because they look a certain way what we end up doing is we end up displacing correct information for incorrect information we displace facts for opinions opinions that ref- that may reflect an implicit bias an implicit bias warranted or not. That distinct individuals have more knowledge base and better expertise simply because of how they look versus people who have the academic and clinical background. It's that implicity in terms of who I can seek information from that
0: can cause undue pressure on healthcare professionals that may uh, compound the issues of body image bias and weight bias because the healthcare professional starts to sense that they have to look a certain way in order to be seen as
1: the uh, expert in terms of getting the correct pro-health behaviors to be established. And this is where we have to remember that there are social and psychological pressures being placed on everybody. That, so- that social and psychological pressure, that social and psychological pressure that's being placed on everybody
0: is placed on those that we expect to present
1: ideals for fitness and ideals for health even more where those who have to project ideals
0: of fitness and ideals of health have have even more stress placed in them than the
1: average person within the population. Because they know that if they do not keep that ideal, they lose the ability to keep people's attention. Keep people's attention
0: about what they should be doing. Keep people's attention about following the advice. If it happens to be a monetary thing through social media, getting the the likes and the followings on social media feeds that help with monetary rewards, where they may be doing activities and behaviors in order to maintain a body image that is in itself
1: not an actual pro-health behavior. Because if they, they know that if they do not have the physique
0: that they are projecting, they're going to lose popularity. Or in the case of the healthcare professional, if they do not show a body image that
1: someone would want to talk to them about as being healthy, they're not going to have patience. Or, on the other hand, if they happen to be treating a specific type of population, if they happen to have a body image that reflects what that population happens to be exhibiting,
0: people within that subpopulation may seek them out at a higher rate than others. We talked about this previously as it relates to the body image and the um, misinformation that was put out off of a different show uh, Paul Bittori finds out as relates to the some, somehow quote-unquote secret to weight loss that NFL players have, where it's simply just looking at body image and body morphology based off of professional standards and the need to meet those professional standards. It's the same thing for healthcare professionals. And because we have that, that idea, there's a pattern of thought that if I want to follow a social influencer, In order to have a physique, they need to express that physique. That pattern of thought gets transferred to the healthcare professional.
1: That we have an expectation to project a body image of health. Where they have to abide by the social norms and social ideals of health. In order to be able to provide information to their patients. Or they have to be able to exquisitely explain
0: why they might not be able to project that ideal and what they're doing in
1: order to achieve the ideal for their patient. To put it bluntly, the weight and body image bias projected by healthcare professionals to their patients may stem from weight bias that has been projected upon the healthcare professional throughout their education and training. Even with the understanding that body mass index and BMI and body image
0: in itself does not indicate the overall health for the person, the patient that we might classify as overweight or obese based off of BMI may internalize similar labels that the healthcare professional internalized when labeled as having an inappropriate body image for healthcare. Internalized labels
1: and thoughts such as, what is making me appear to be unhealthy? Why am I too overfat? Ideas in themselves that aren't harmful. However,
0: when taken in whole to all of the ideas around weight bias and body image bias combined with the social ideas about body image and about health aspects as relates to body image, helps us to explain a lot of the various health trends that become big, such as the fad diets, the fad exercises that are constantly being advertised as effective, even though we don't have actual research to indicate that they are effective. And as uh, Sarah and I presented in a paper back in 2019, where a lot of the dietary supplements that are supposed to lead to fat loss are actually less effective than simply doing diet and
1: exercise in terms of changes of body uh, behaviors. Where we're constantly being advertised that we have to have these things that these things are effective in achieving the
0: body image goals that are being projected to us by the influencers, by the social media feeds, by everybody in society.
1: That the lifestyle choices that we're uh, selecting are not correct. The uh, ideas that are held within the general population are also held within the healthcare professionals. And this is where we have
0: potential issues that come into play, particularly when we start looking at the obsession that we have in the society about fatness and about how fatness is not acceptable. And we get this negative impact on both our psychological health as well as on our physiological health based off of the psychological need to lose the fatness, meaning that I'm going to... Follow
1: bad diets and bad exercises that may have more harm than good. That uh, that have celebrities pushing use of medications and pharmacological companies
0: pushing medications that are off label for what their intended use happens to be. Case in point over the last year, the uh, rise in popularity of GLP-1 agonists in
1: uh, weight loss, the uh, severe adverse effects of using phenphen back in the 90s, 1990s and early 2000s, the uh, ephedra alkaloid, use and the extreme adverse
0: events of ephedra alkaloids in the late nineties or two thousands
1: that led to the removal of those those supplements. The fact that we have a subpopulation that is uh, we have a subpopulation that is idealing that is idolizing, a cell population that is idolizing, physique that has led to uh, increased use of supplements in order to gain muscle mass, that have used supplements that
0: can cause deleterious effects on essential organs, like the, like the
1: liver simply because of the need to have a body image that looks the way that I want it to look like. That lead to several
0: types of mental health struggles. That lead to a host of eating disorders and
1: dysmorphia that we've talked about previously. A mental health issue that has been
0: exponentially increased with the use of digital media,
1: due to the impact that digital media has on my psychological sense of appropriate body image
0: and the projection of what appropriate body image might be. And this is where we uh, run into the ideas about body positivity that we have talked about previously, and
1: the ideas that body positivity can have as it relates to counteracting the body image and the weight bias. I would recommend listening to the body positivity discussions, which would be part one and part two of
0: this episode. Yes, I know there's a big breaking between parts one and part two and this part right here,
1: but I highly recommend listening to those parts if you haven't already listened to those parts. The body positivity has an impact on the
0: ability to get through the body image bias and the weight bias.
1: But it's not going to be a cure all to the body image bias and the weight bias. The only way to get around the body image bias and the weight bias is through appropriate educational avenues. And this is where we have to look at, particularly within the, the healthcare system. And while, yes, I'm going to focus on the healthcare system, this is for general education as well. Where we have
0: to have an updated curriculum and updated course materials that would be beneficial to the healthcare professional.
1: We have made strides in increasing inclusion of underrepresented populations. LGBTQIA, non European minorities, difference in genders and the fluidity of
0: gender within the population, within the textbooks and within the instructions that we give to our healthcare professionals, as well as in general population books. While we've made strides there in terms of that inclusion, there is still a struggle going on in terms of the issue of weight, and most of this comes about due to the need to project what we deem to be psychologically appeasing images, and the fact that we tend to not view
1: images of people who are overfat as anything but unhealthy. And as such, we t- will continue to conflate the body image issue with the health issue or the ideal of health issue. Because there's still that struggle, there's been limited updating to the consequences of using metrics like BMI
0: as a formulation to determine ideal health, which means that weight bias and health bias will continue to be there as long as we still have those issues being presented within the textbooks and within the general books
1: that healthcare professionals and the population as a whole still have access to. Where if we fail to incorporate all of the biopsychosocial factors that are going to be at play in terms of obtaining levels of fitness The outdated
0: ideals will only lead to additional stresses about body image and the impact of overall health, which through feedback mechanisms lead to additional stresses on the person attempting to obtain the body image that we want them to obtain, that
1: will only impact their overall health, their physical, and their mental health negatively. This is where. It's recommended that we need to update that curriculum and that resources that are meant to educate all of us about the facts regarding health and fitness to focus on the facts of health and the facts of fitness without the biases of the authors or without the biases of the faculty members who are teaching it. Now I'm going to get a little bit into the weeds here in terms of educational philosophy,
0: pedagogy to be specific, where we need to eliminate
1: or minimize the degree of rote memorization regarding health and regarding fitness. We need to minimize the impact of rote memorization, whether it's rote memorization pertaining to factual information,
0: or pertaining to personal biases that are presented by faculty members. I've been in conversations with faculty members where they wanted to teach a course simply so that they could teach a course to project their own personal biases about a nutrition plan without understanding that the projection
1: of that bias is going to have undue influence on the students within the course. As a faculty member, it's about projecting the factual information, projecting the factual information, projecting the factual information that will allow for the students to
0: sustain an ability to critically think and apply the
1: principles of human physiology and the principles of health and of fitness to the content that's being presented. If we're able to minimize rote memorization, if we're able to minimize
0: the teaching of personal biases within the curriculums, what we're able to do is we're able to modify what the healthcare professionals
1: will be taking away from the courses that they're being taught. What this also means is that when we are
0: selecting information to use in supporting our selections,
1: about what is the ideal of health, who should I go to seek information about ideals of health from. What we have to do is we have to be able to do this through selection of
0: non-conformational biased approach. We have to do this from an open-minded approach.
1: I understand it's kind of a high-in-the-sky dream about education and about seeking information, But we have to do this because we have to understand that there is
0: an independent relationship between body image and
1: overall health. While body composition and body image do have a uh, component to what is seen as overall health, what my body
0: image happens to be is not what my overall health happens to be. And that's because overall health is going to be developed through a complex interaction of modifiable and non-modifiable factors that have an influence
1: on my weight and my body image, but do not indicate what my overall health happens to be. But the problem is, is that we tend to address health
0: based off of the familiar opinions Regarding body weight and body image. And because we do that, we tend to have very poor resolutions as it relates to changes in lifestyle interventions in an attempt to change the modifiable factors that influence
1: my overall health by changing my body weight or my body image. And this is where we have to look at what is the
0: validity and the accuracy of the practices that are being recommended versus the validity and the accuracies of the practices being performed. This is where we have to be aware of being compromised in our biases. Where we have to be aware of and be willing to admit to biases that can influence my perception of what is healthy versus what is unhealthy. Where I have to be able where I have to be willing to admit that I am biased in listening
1: to distinct types of influencers or where I may be uh, subconsciously or implicitly biased based off of what I might have read or heard being presented by someone in the media or some influencer. where they present or project the idea of what is considered to be attractive or considered to be ideal without the absolute knowledge
0: and understanding as to what was undertaken in order to reach that projected
1: image, whether it's due to some sort of surgical procedure or the pharmacological agents being taken in order to reach that ideal. Well, we have to be aware that the projection of attitudes and the projection of biases will lead to modeling of biases. Modeling of biases that will influence how people will behave, where we have to look at
0: approaching healthcare through a holistic approach that's going to incorporate the ideas of self-motivation and self-monitoring of modifiable factors, of modifiable behaviors, over what is traditionally seen as an authoritarian, coercive care where we subject ourselves to the authority of the healthcare professional and the biases therein. About the health status of people based off of what their body image happens to be. That feeds into opinions and personal biases that individuals take into the healthcare profession that people take into meeting with healthcare professionals, where we tend to look at somebody and based off of what their perceived body image happens to be, we immediately make a or immediately draw a conclusion as to what their fitness happens to be. And whether or not they are able to advise or take advice for the appropriate types of behaviors that they should follow in order to achieve optimal health. And this is where we have to kind of take a step back and think about how body image, as relates to healthy, ideal, unhealthy, within a vast continuum, have huge social factors that come into play. And sociological factors that come into play and societal factors that come into play that will dictate how I view body image and what that view of body image means in terms of my own internalized bias for overall health. And if I can overcome that bias, then I know that I should be able to correct body image bias and weight bias. And one of the things that uh, we note. Is that there tends to be kind of a generational divide that's that's taking place, and the generational divide is really looking at how we view the stresses being placed on the individual to have an acceptable weight, where there is differences within various subpopulations of the whole entire population when we talk about the group, based off of cultural aspects. And sociological identifications that express themselves in how we view our body image. And what we tend to see within younger individuals is an overexpression of attempting to fit an ideal. And that attempting to fit an ideal leads to internalized pressures about weight, about fitness, about fatness, about what we attribute. Being fit and being healthy to what we look like, as we attempt to have a best appearance, as an attempt to uh, increase my appeal to others within the population, where we place a greater emphasis on the physicality of healthy, as opposed to the physiology of healthy. That is, what does my physique say about me versus what does my physiology? say about me and this difference that we see generationally as we as we go through age is also seen with how generationally by social divides that would be things like the baby boomers versus gen x versus gen y versus the millennials how the generations approach the conformist ideas about body image and the gender role the sociological gender role that we see within generations and the expectations for body image based off of those generational divides this is where we we see some generational divisions in terms of what is accepted as an appropriate body image versus accepted as a non appropriate body image where the within generations the 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 gender role nature has an impact on weight bias and on body image bias and we see this reflected in the way in which particularly uh, women, females, have been uh, indicated as having struggles with body image expectations. That is, the, the social pressures being imposed on them in order to have the uh, appealing ideal of body image, the appealing ideal of what is fit, what is healthy. Where, and it goes back to what was being selected as the indicative um, image for healthy where there's this indication for thinness on the female side, whereas on the male side, there, is, or there has historically been less pressure than what we see uh, placed on the, the women, on the females. But a growing emphasis in terms of males as relates to their body composition, their body image, and the ideal to look quote-unquote ripped the ideal to to look muscular. And when we start looking at the recent research as relates to these body image issues, we know that there is a disproportional pressure that is placed on individuals due to the way in which they uh, get their information and process their information that leads to a lot of the biases that we see as relates to body image and weight not only in the healthcare profession, but within the population at large, particularly with who we actually trust to give us the information, and whether or not we will be able to approach healthcare through a holistic approach with our healthcare professional or succumb to the authoritarian coercive events of treatment based off of the projection of knowledge by the healthcare professional and their biases that they have towards body image and weight of the patient. Well, thanks for listening. Hopefully you got a little bit out of the conversation and discussion here please make sure that you are liking and subscribing. Give us those five-star ratings and reviews. Make sure you are uh, following us on all the various platforms here on the podcast, as well as on YouTube, following us on threads and on Instagram, as well as reading the passages that are being posted onto Substack. All the links are in the episode notes for the podcast.